Hello, everybody. This is uh, Vern Value. And I'm Val Hughes. And we're the Value Guys. And this is this week's edition of the Value Line Observer. Uh, this week, we're going to be looking at the uh, stocks on the Value Line Investment Survey of April 21. Hey, you're getting crumbs on me here. I'm just buddy. having a snack. Out of my way. Um, uh, you know, as, as those of you who uh, may not have listened to us previously um, may not know, uh, the value guys uh, I like have, assumed, it again. Uh, have assumed secret identities in order to be able to bring you uh, unvarnished views of uh, veteran uh, Wall Street analysts with uh, uh, experience approaching uh, combined 50 years. Oh, God, it, hates, it kills me to say that. Let's um, not say it anymore. You know, I, we like to get together and uh, talk stocks, and uh, we decided that uh, we maybe we'd share, uh, share our experience with everybody else. Um, you know, you should be careful to understand uh, and, and recognize that we do this for entertainment value, although we are trying to pick good stocks. I am. I'm uh, trying to pick good ones. Uh, and we might, we might own, you. You, you, yeah. you need to be forewarned, we might own any of the or all of the stocks that you hear us talk about, although, um, you know, we do limit the stocks we're talking about to this week's edition of, uh, of Value Line. That's all we work with is Value Line at these uh, meetings. So in uh, in, right. a, in a few minutes, uh, hopefully not too long, uh, no. I, I'll be talking to you about the human resources industry and some very interesting stocks there. But uh, we're going to lead off with uh, the Get It Kid, my colleague Val Hughes. Thank you very much, Vern. Uh, I'm excited to be here this week. You know, it's earnings season on Wall Street. And so my friend Vern here, I've been trying to get him on the phone all day. He's just buried in conference calls. Uh, I'm, you know, I've got a few of them. I use transcripts a lot. I didn't have as many reporting today. But we're seeing some themes come out, and that is that, uh, you know, GDP is uh, very strong, record levels. Uh, wealth is strong, record levels. Uh, you know, uh, we're going to be talking about a uh, an emerging recovery in uh, uh, the Western European, especially the continental economies. Oh, that's. Economies. I mean, th things are good, ladies and gentlemen. Earnings are strong. That's. What I guess what I'm saying is that some of these earnings reports, you're seeing the market strong, earnings are strong. Uh, you've got some people worried about all that, but you know, if you look back 2,000 years ago, there were like three guys in a stick, and now we've got cities and economies. We're at new highs a lot of the time. So, um, you know, at least for me, I think that what we're seeing is a cycle of productivity improvements driven by the cost reduction powers of the Internet and instant free communication. And uh, that's driving a lot of uh, pundits to wonder why the recovery. Well, the dreams and entrepreneurial capabilities of hundreds of millions, if not billions of people are slowly and steadily being unleashed That's in exactly. several important you have parts e of the world. Economies of scale in taking ideas to some sort of practical fruition now that are unparalleled, of course, in history. It's a little bit like uh, the canals of Amsterdam when uh, basically everyone has uh, equal access and low-cost access to world markets. And I think, uh, you know, when you can collaborate with people around the world in real time, uh, you know, something I might call idea turnover happens faster. And, you know, this can go on for a lot of years. With a $300 laptop from Dell Computer, you can now be, co you know, working with a colleague in a, you know, across the ocean on a breakthrough oh, okay. uh, product. Okay, so how does that relate to okay. Big Pharma? Well, I'll tell you. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> anyway, the economy's pretty good. 
I was looking through this week's value line, and uh, I don't know a lot about most of the things this week, but I do know something about the drug industry. I've covered it for many years, and uh, and so I thought I'd dig in on, on that. Value line doesn't like the industry, and they say there aren't many stars in, uh, in this industry this week. And something that's maybe starting to uh, occur to some of you is that uh, Val Hughes is a contrarian a little bit, and, uh, and so this is a contrarian industry. Uh, they say there's a lot of uncertainty, which is surprising since the demographics of aging are one of the most certain things we have to deal with, uh, you know, in the economy. They do go on later to talk about demographics. Uh, but there's a cycle. Of course, these things are down because some of the big pharma companies' patents are expiring, so margins are going down as things move to generic, and they're not inventing new drugs fast enough to replace those high-margin products. And, but and if you know us, you know that we would always argue that uh, if you're going to go along the tide, do it at low tide. Do it at low tide, absolutely. And you have some anchors here, if I can continue the metaphor. You have some anchors here, which are the aging of the population. So, uh, yeah, there, there's not new drugs being invented, although, you know, we just talked about something that should allow new drugs to be invented at a faster pace down the road, and that is uh, instantaneous communication at low cost around the world, university departments getting together, inventing things uh, hopefully uh, quicker, and uh, that's something that's going to come down the road. But, you know, there's an interesting dichotomy right now, which is you can read on one side of the paper that drug costs are running out of control and we don't know how we're going to pay for it because of the escalation in drug prices. On the other side of the paper, you read about uh, no new drugs being invented and everything going to generic. So these both can't be true. It's obviously going to be a mix. Uh, generics are reducing the cost of drugs and making drugs available to an aging population. And, and so there's some things to look at in this area. Uh, the fact that profits are under pressure here because of patent expirations doesn't alarm me. It just makes me look for opportunity in here. The first one I came across is something uh, on page 1279 called Par Farm, which I'm sure is uh, Par Pharmaceutical. It's a holding company. Uh, and they uh, primarily distribute and manufacture generic drugs in the U.S. Well, you know, everybody in the U.S. that has to pay for drugs wants to move toward generics. There's no new drugs being invented, so more and more of the total of drugs that are available are going generic. And uh, these guys make generic drugs. You know, they're, uh, they're selling, the thing that attracts me is they're selling at just a little bit over 10 times cash flow. Now, granted, I'm looking out at next year's cash flow. Uh, but for a company with you know, wind at its back in this sector, I'm interested in that. Uh, they've got a pretty decent balance sheet. Their, their margins are moving higher into the 15 17% range, according to Value Line. And uh, they've got uh, a couple of, uh, you know, great years behind them. Back in the early uh, 2000s, they introduced generic versions of Prozac and Paxil and had great uh, runs with those. And, and those have sort of, you know, come off. The deal with generics is you make a lot of money for the first six months when you're the only one making it. The FDA gives you a period of exclusivity and then other people come in and the margins are driven down. So you got to keep coming out with new stuff. And uh, these guys have had a dry spell, but they've got the infrastructure in place, the market position. You know, they're still making money. The book value grows every year. So ride the next wave. Yeah, just wait it out. It's uh, it's a little more expensive than I like to pay, but I think this one could be a good one just to hold it. It's It looks expensive on earnings, but margins are depressed. They're about to recover, and uh, I think this could be a nice one. If it doesn't work out, you won't lose money. Uh, let's see. Then I'm moving along, you know, to the next page, uh, 1280, a little company called, uh, 
Parexcel International, a leading contract research organization. Well, you know, in, a, in an era where it's harder to do research successfully, you're going to outsource more of that. Uh, and uh, there's more areas to look in. There's more technology to help you. So all these little outsourcing companies are springing up. And, you know, this is one that uh, after... It's not in India. Well, it's, it's in uh, Massachusetts, which I don't know, you know, I mean, that's not a bad place to be. It sometimes can seem like a foreign country. Well, uh, you're giving clues away that, okay, we're not from Massachusetts, everybody. But in any case, uh, this one, uh, you know, they've got two bucks in cash flow projected for next year. The stock's at 23, so that's the primary thing that attracts me. Uh, you know, usually it's hard to find an attractive drug company at a good price. But uh, And by the way, Value Line rates this three, which means that, uh, you know, they, they don't like it in the near term. But um, uh, these guys are involved in managing trials for new drugs. That's a very complicated process, a lot of bureaucracy and legal work with the FDA. They manage all that. Uh, they've got some opportunity to uh, prove their economies of scale as they get more customers. And I think that... Uh, you know, with their returns rising, 10 times cash flow, I don't know much else about it. They've got absolutely no debt, which I like, and they don't tend to lose money, uh, although they had a write-off last year. So, again, maybe a way to play the demographics without having to pay too much. Uh, then I'm on page, uh, uh -oh. let's see, what page am I on what's here? Your, what's your stock? Perigo? Perigo. 1281. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, and these guys are, uh, you know, based in uh, Michigan. Uh, what they do is they make, they're the largest maker of private label OTC. So when you go in and you see your, you know, uh, your Listerine mouthwash and then you see your, you know, Kroger's mouthwash, they make all that. They make, they've got about a 65 or 70 percent market share in all the over-the-counter types of uh, drugs for nasal congestion, is cold a, and is cough. Is this a company that makes strollers? And uh, that's not that far ago, although... You know, they, they, they would get some good synergy on the on the name for that. But yeah, uh, this company was founded in 1887 here, according to Value Line, by Luther Perigo. And uh, he was, he's been in the distribution business. In the last 15 to 20 years, they've gotten into this sort of generic over-the-counter business. They also do a little bit in the generic pharmaceuticals business. And uh, big customers, Walmart, so they've had trouble getting much of a margin. But it's been relatively stable and actually looks like it's on a little ramp to improve. Very high market shares, very stable marketplace, and returns on equity moving into the low teens. Again, it's sale, it, this trades at about 10 times next year's cash flow. I like that. Very stable business. You know, I might buy a little bit of this one, focus your attention on that. Then there's, uh, you know, two companies we talked about, I guess, a few months ago, uh, Pfizer and Merck. These are blue chip companies that are running into problems because of several things. Uh, COX-2 inhibitors, so for Merck, that's Vioxx. For Pfizer, it's Celebrex, the things that help you reduce pain from arthritis and such. Unfortunately, there's studies that suggest that if you take uh, some Advil and an aspirin, you know, you're in as good a shape. That's hurt business. Plus, I guess some of these drugs have some nasty side effects with regard to uh, you know, heart problems, which is, so it's, it's uh, and of course Vioxx now is having Not lawsuits. So they sell Celebrex. Pfizer's Celebrex has been proven to be a little bit better than Vioxx with some of these things. 
And uh, they also just won a patent case on Lipitor, so that was being challenged. They won that. That's the biggest drug in the world. So they've been under some pressure. This is the cheapest Pfizer's been in, you know, decades, <laughs> literally. But the biggest wave of, you know, customers of all time is coming. Their margins on an operating basis are still 40%, ladies and gentlemen. You won't find but a couple companies like that. They don't show it in Value Line and just PS Value Line, you should include this. But gross margins on these companies, I think, are still in the 70% range. So, you know, don't cry for Pfizer. They're doing okay. Their returns on capital are still around 20% returns on equity around 20 they have no debt and you get all this for a 35 percent discount to the market the, the, fee that, that's right four percent yield and it's less than 10 times cash flow and as you said it's got a four percent yield that's better than you can get at the bank ladies and gentlemen at least although i've seen cd rates running so i'd own pfizer here just put it away merck is the same story except they have a little bit higher yield huh. they've got a little bit higher return on capital they have a little bit different portfolio of drugs the other thing these two companies have is uh, you know, wonderful sales forces that know every doctor on the planet, and as little people invent new biotech drugs and such out there, they're all going to have to kind of find a sales force. And down the road, Merck and Pfizer, you know, they're inventing fewer drugs. They have as many salesmen of, uh, as ever, and uh, and great legal departments as well to battle all these patents. So they have a lot of you know interesting assets. It may not be R and D as much as it once was, but they're going to still be a pipeline to doctors with drugs, and they're selling at all-time lows. So I would buy both of those. Uh, the final one I'll leave you, and I'm not going to say much about it, but Watson Pharmaceutical, WPI, these guys rate it four, and this is That's one of the... the spin-out from Holmes International, isn't it? Uh, you know, that I don't know. I've known it as uh, Watson. They just they just bought a little company called Andrex. The stock has come down because the market perceives that they overpaid. Uh, but, uh, oh, I get it. Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. I'm the a little wound up. a little bit okay. late yeah. that time. Uh, so in any case, um, these guys are generic manufacturers, and generics are going to continue to grow in units. They're already very low margin, so you're, you know, the margin story can't get any worse. You're going to have a volume story. That's going to lead to economies of scale over facilities and sales forces and things like that. Their returns are low, you know, mid-single digits on capital, which I don't like. But what I love here is that they just did an acquisition that nobody liked, which means that for the next two years there's going to be synergies and write-offs and cost-cutting as they merge, uh, you know, their sales forces and you know, IT departments and et cetera. And so capital comes out and returns go up even if profits don't. Th that's but right. But profits it, also go up. Profits go up. They've got a mid-20s margin right now. They'll write-off some capital. They'll improve their return on equity with some write-offs, what have have you and uh, they sell at uh, a very slight premium to the market for what I'm certain is going to be above market unit growth and economies per unit that are going to get better. So I'd buy that one. And uh, the whole group is, the, you uh, know, it's an out of favor. It's play. out of favor. We I really looked through them all. Those really are, are contrarian. Those are a couple that I think are pretty good. I, I don't think it's contrarian to bet on the aging of the population and people forget about that. We're in a year of patent battles, but you know that's all going to roll off. That's all I have right now. Yeah, well, as long as we're talking about people, how about a whole industry that's based on them, right? The human resources industry. I don't know a lot about this, but uh, I found uh, you know some really interesting stuff here as I started looking at uh, Value Line's coverage of the group. Um, I, you know, I, I, some some of the stuff's obvious. It's it's clearly economically sensitive. If companies are doing better, they need more employees, and some of those are apt to be 
temporary. Some of them are apt to be uh, uh, permanent employees that you find through the uh, services. You use these guys these as companies. like a recruiting service. Uh, and in these uh, this day and age, you know, you've got a couple things going on. One. Uh, uh, the workforce is demanding more flexibility in how they manage their time. Americans are reprioritizing the way they want to live their lives. Uh, while at the same time, uh, uh, you know, companies are interested in uh, 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 removing as much infrastructure and overhead from their uh, organization as they can and uh, generally avoiding hiring new and permanent employees if they don't have to. Well, it's uh, hard to get rid of to people. Serve, yeah. uh, you know, spikes in business. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, Value Line points out here, hiring activities up nicely, uh, solid economic recovery, low unemployment rate. Uh, you know, but I see a couple things. I see uh, their uh, relative strength index at the bottom right page of the page that indicates that the whole industry's what? We're down about 20% relative from wow. the peak in 2000 compared to the rest of the market. And these are uh, these are terrific companies if they're well managed. Uh, the other thing I don't see here is any discussion of a uh, apparently emerging and accelerating recovery in uh, the continental European economies. And several of the companies in this industry do some significant business well, there. Well, and they probably use temps um, more there because it's harder to fire someone there. Well, and so that's what I like about this. Uh, you know, the overall share of the economy for this industry should be going up, uh, supported by the need for increased uh, worker demand for worker mobility, um, and it promotes better employment utilization when there's a lot of pressure on employment costs. So if you want the most liquid, flexible labor market you can get, you want these companies' well, services. Well, and fewer union commodity workers who do the same job. These are really specialized fields. And you they, actually need to talk to them. And these are an, there's a lot of pretty advanced uh, business models here that uh, uh, place very technical um, people with very niche skills in temporary and or part-time situations that fit their lifestyle requirements and, and bring, uh, you know, frankly, some resources back into the economy that we don't have enough here of here in uh, the, in the United, good old United States. So um, I'm going to look at a handful of stocks here in the group. Value Line only has a one rating on one of them, MPS Group. Uh, so I really wanted to like it. You know, it's their favorite stock. Uh, 1.6 billion market cap. I've never heard of them before. Um, they're, uh, it's 24 times earnings, however, so about a 30% premium to market with no dividend. Um, fairly small, as we said. No debt, on the other hand. So, okay, what are my returns on capital, returns on equity? Uh, under 10%. Matter of fact, in the last 10 years, they've been under 10%. Um, value line, apparently, I mean, it shows its propensity to like a, a winner and want to ride a winner. The stock's basically doubled over the last 12 months, and... Now it's at 20 times cash flow and 24 times earnings, and um, so you know one. value lines looking at some decent revenue growth to fuel their forecasts. And I just I'm not sure where the upside here is. Um, I, you know, modest uh, modest internal ownership. I don't know that's important. There is a share buyback uh, program, but uh, I don't see anything particularly distinguishing. Looks kind of expensive and. Uh, then I found myself looking at the, you know, the little box that sometimes has a little history of the company. Perigo, 1887. <laughs> Compared with this company, which originally came public as AccuStaff in 94. In 98, they changed their name to Modus Professional. I hope I pronounced that right. And uh, they're now known as MPS Group, formerly Modus Professional, established in 92. <laughs> uh, you know, Does Prince work here? <laughs> <laughs> two name changes in uh, you know, 10, 15 years. Makes me, uh, I might be a little more demanding in terms of valuation. I, I don't see it here. 
let's let's go to the benchmark, okay? Let's look at manpower, and we'll get an idea where these stocks ought to be priced. Five billion market cap, uh, second largest non-government employment service organization in the world. It says major markets. This is interesting. The U.S. is less than 15 percent. France is a third of the business. Wow. France is third of the business. That just tells you they don't want to hire anybody. The rest of the world, besides the U.S. and France, is 50% of the company. So uh, basically an international business. Um, where is it trading right now? Slight discount to a market multiple. There's a little bit of a dividend. Um, 12 to 14 times cash flow. Um, you know, Like I said, under a market multiple. About twi two times book. Operating margins, clearly... Um, this is a challenging business to earn an operating margin in. They're consistently under 5% for the last 10 years. But return on capital used to run up near around 20%. Right now it's running around 10 Maybe, uh, Maybe that can be better. I see there's history of 20, 25, 30 times P.E. ratios compared with the current 18. So with some better uh, sentiment about this name, um, it, you know, it, there's probably some opportunity here. It, Value Line only has a three on it. The thing I was struck by is a third of the earnings are in France. And I don't know if you people are uh, paying attention to what's been going on in the French political scene. Well, but they've had millions of people marching in the streets because somebody can't get jobs, right? somebody said they, they should have some kind of a program that might promote the hiring uh, of a class of uh, uh, potential employees where the unemployment rate is north of 25%. And people were outraged. That you might not uh, that you might consider job creation that's not permanent for life, and took to the streets and have forced its withdrawal. So, it, what does that mean? Fewer permanent jobs being created in France. The need for more Man temporary power. workers, more manpower. So, uh, this looks like probably a pretty uh, an underappreciated uh, story <laughs> to me. Um, nice nice and I, there's actually uh, there's two other stocks here that I think are more attractive. Um, in terms of their fundamentals, I don't I don't need France for uh, Corn Ferry. The symbol here is KFY. I'm sorry. Uh, manpower is uh, MAN. Corn Ferry is KFY. It's on page 1297 of the value line. A little under a billion market cap. There's a little bit of debt, but not much. Uh, 17 times earnings, 10% discount to market, um, 11 times cash flow kind of range. Um, I'm looking at operating margins here. High teens, 20%. And, and some history, apparently, late 90s, where they were in similar range, return on capital is mid-teens. Uh, these numbers stand out in a huge way compared to the rest of the industry. What do they do? They slur serve the global recruitment needs of their clients. They have 100 offices in 36 countries. There's no breakdown here of where the revenue comes from geographically. Shame on value line, a pretty important sure. part of a story like this. But uh, what do I see here? I see... Uh, Business being a job market driven by sustained corporate profitability. They've opened some new offices abroad. They're likely increasing their consultant headcount by about 10% in each of the next two years. Um, they have uh, some significant room on an existing share repurchase uh, authorization. Like I said, very little debt. Uh, the stock's basically been stuck in a range between what looks like maybe, I don't know, $13, $14 and $21, 2 for the last two to three years, I'd say there's a good chance here as we get later cycle in the economic recovery um, and you see more uh, uh, high-end hiring, more professional hiring, more permanent hiring, that this is the kind of name that's going to benefit from that. So there's a chance these, I mean, really what look like great numbers, um, surprise to the upside, pretty reasonable valuation where, you know, we just looked at manpower, kind of similar numbers. Uh, Kelly Services, symbol is... K-E-L-Y-A, 
So there's different classes of stock. Uh, insiders own more than a third of the company. Um, almost, well, they have 93% of Class B. I'll bet that's where all the votes are. Hmm. Uh, we don't no, like that, generally. <laughs> there's no debt. It's a market multiple. There is a little bit of a, of a dividend. Uh, this is page 1296 in your value line. Uh, why talk about it with the, the little bit of meh about it? Well, 10 times cash flow and what looks like accelerating earnings growth. Uh, and as I look at the description, I mean, Kelly Services, we've all heard of Kelly Grows, yeah, right? I know that. Temporary and permanent staffing services. Uh, industries worldwide, three main segments. One is U.S. commercial. So I've used uh, those guys. I've had a very good here. experience with them. Um, I, this looks like a really good leveraged play to the economy. I got a stock chart that's like, uh, I mean, it looks like Kelly, Mr. Kelly died back in like '94. Um, I mean, and then it's almost they just a straight stopped line. doing anything new after that. But the stock has been in the low 30s in the last couple of years when you know this, the recovery was a lot more suspect. And now it's only 26. I, you know, is well, sales per share that, have doubled while the stock's done nothing, and their margins are—they're uh, moving well, up, and they've got a history now. of being they're, more mm -hmm. like manpower's four, four and a half kind of range. They're, right now, they're mm -hmm. only two and a half. So they could move back to that. Uh, my level. bet is that there's an opportunity here to surprise just on old-fashioned operating leverage. You know, these are these are business models that have a fair amount of leverage in them. Um, so it, we like both of the K stocks, Corn Ferry and Kelly. Uh, manpower, interesting play on France. I, you know, there's one more two-rated stock. I took a look at it. Volt InfoSci. I, I have no idea what this is. Rated to, oh, here it is. Volt no. Information Sciences, Inc. Mm. Okay. 83% of revenue is temporary. Well, later in the cycle, I would think that, you know, we talked earlier about the idea of more professional, more technical, more permanent hires. Um, so your, your, your investment money in this sector probably moving away from this concept uh, these guys are on page 1302. Uh, it's a little premium to the market. Uh, it's less than two times book, which looks cheap compared to the rest of them. Uh, not a lot of expectations, apparently, in terms of return on capital margin, but I don't see the market moving their way like I do for a couple of the others. So uh, hmm. a lot of volatility in the stock price history. Um, I, you know, I'd stick with uh, names that... Uh, you know, you know, you don't. This, there's a lot of opportunity here. You don't need to get uh, obscure uh, to make some money from these price levels. I don't think so. Uh, pretty favorable review from your bud, Burn Value, uh, on the human resources industry. You had big pharma, a small pharma. I had big pharma. Too. I had a couple things here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I and, don't. Uh, that brings us to the conclusion of it's uh, our end of our show, which is a sad moment for and, us. You know, and we never took a beverage break. We didn't. Shall we so take a beverage let's break Let's take right one now. now. Why uh, does it have to always be in the middle? Plastic, we can do it right now. That clink. doesn't even clink. And then we've also got some uh, pretzels. Okay. So here's a pretzel. Have a pretzel. And uh, we'll thank you all for uh, listening. Thanks and we'll for be listening. back to you next week with uh, next week's uh, top picks out of the Value Line observe, uh, Investment Survey.